it's good to be back. It was good to be off, and it's good to be back, right? Rest is good. Holidays are good. New Year's are good. So I'm expecting big things from Daddy this year. Are you expecting big things from Daddy this year? All things are possible. Say it with me. All things are possible. Let's say it one more time. All things are possible. Right? Only believe. You know, if you can dream it, you can have it. There are no limitations in heaven, guys. There are absolutely no limitations. And Jesus, he just demonstrated that over and over and over again. I mean, when he walked on the water, you know what? No gravity, no limitation, right? Turning water into wine, laws of physics and laws of chemistry, all things are possible. Amen? So I I really want you to tap into the Father's excitement tonight about what he has for you to agree with this year. I'm going to say that again. For what he has for you to agree with this year. He's asking you to agree with some things. And they're not, he's not asking you to agree because they're reasonable. And he's not asking you to agree with them because they're possible. He's asking you to agree with them because he's God. And a large part of what the Lord was, was saying to me about 2018, he said, this is a year where you are going to be fully persuaded. Where you are going to be fully persuaded. So that means that maybe we're coming into the year not quite so fully persuaded. Right? Maybe, maybe we just haven't quite got there yet. Right? But that's okay. We're not alone. We're not alone. There was a time when Abraham, the father of faith, the guy that we're still studying all these centuries later, who got the title the father of faith, there was a time when he wasn't fully persuaded too. You know what? There was a time when Peter wasn't fully persuaded. You know, he was walking on water. And instead of keeping his eyes focused on Jesus and what Jesus had spoken, he started to look around at the waves and the wind right? And he started, he wasn't fully persuaded either because the the things that he could see with his natural eyes seemed to be more true than the word that God had spoken to him. And the thing about the word of God, and I'm talking about the rhema word of God, I'm talking about things that God speaks to you. I mean, they're, they're prophetic words. They're, they're scriptures that when you're reading them, you know they weren't written to you. They were written in the context of the chapter and the verse and the historical context of when that scripture was written. But the Holy Spirit is still telling you when you're reading it, that scripture's for you right now. Right? There's, there's a Holy Spirit breathing on the scripture that you know that's your promise. Okay, that kind of a word. When, you, when you're journaling and God is, is, is sharing his heart for you and his desires for you, when, he is, when, he's, when you are having encounters with God and he's showing you how you look in heaven, that if your flesh and your unrenewed mind were stripped off of you right now and you just sat, stood there glorified, transfigured like Jesus on the mount, he, how, how you really are, when he shows you and gives you a glimpse of that stuff, right? These are the rhema words. These are, these are if, you, you know, if you've been through a merge or you've heard anything about it, these are when you do your I am statements and God tells you, this is who you are. 
This is who you are in Christ, but this is who you are in heaven. This is who you are outside of time. This is who you are in your glorified post-resurrection body. I mean, Paul said he wanted to experience what it was like to be resurrected while he was still in the body. And so there is a vision, there is a, a, a word, there is a utterance, there is a scripture, there, is, there are things that God is wanting you to agree with. He's wanting agreement. Amen? All things are possible if you can believe. He's wanting your agreement. He's wanting your Mary's. Be it unto me according to your word. Not really understanding how. I think even after the angel explained it, it probably didn't make sense. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Okay, well, oh, well, that's, oh, that's what's going to happen. You know, that probably still didn't make sense. You know? Zachariah didn't get into agreement and couldn't talk for nine months. Why? Because God's looking for agreement. He's looking for agreement with his plan. And he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for you. And God is not holding his plan back. You know what? We're not, we're not waiting 20 years on the timing of God. If we're waiting 20 years, we're waiting to get an agreement. What God needs is our agreement. He, just, he needs our yes and our amen. And so one of the primary things that I heard God saying is that we are going to become fully persuaded in 2018. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. You know, I've, I've been in the process of getting fully persuaded for, I feels like a decade now. But I personally feel like I am coming into 2018 fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. <clears throat> let's look at, um, let's look at Romans really quick. And let's look, um, hold on one second. And Romans chapter 4. And this is, you know, the chapter that it talks about where Abraham became fully persuaded. And I really like Romans 4 in a lot of different translations. Um, I'm going to start reading it. I'm just going to start reading in the Amplified, and then I may read it. I may skip over to a couple of other ones here because they're just so good. I'm going to start in verse 17. It says, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. I'm going to start there because this is, this is the rhema word to Abraham. This is the the prophetic declaration to, to Abraham. This is the word of the Lord. The same as, you know, when, when Jesus called Simon Peter, right? It's the same when God came to Gideon and called him, uh, you know, a mighty man of valor, right? It's, it's even the call of Moses. I mean, Moses was a, a stuttering man, right? I mean, God, God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. Right, and so he's he's not looking at you. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He he's not looking for people of noble birth and wise and all this stuff. He's just looking for people that are crazy enough to believe, foolish enough to believe. <laughs> you know, and 
Abraham here, he says, I have made you the father of many nations. I've made you the father of many nations. And it says, he was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. So Abraham was not only the father of nations, but he's also our father. He was made our father in the sight of whom he, of whom he believed. So in those nations, we are the seed of Abraham in Christ. And so in Abraham, God was doing something that our destinies were linked to. And so you need to just sit with that for a moment and recognize that the words that God is speaking over you are bigger than just your destiny. They're bigger than just your desire. Although it absolutely is about you and it absolutely is about your desire. How many of you know Abraham desired an heir? And God said, okay, I'll give you an heir, but I'm not just going to give you an heir. You're going to be heir of the world. (laughs) The heir that I'm going to give you, right, was way exceedingly abundantly above all that Abraham could have asked or thought, right, or dreamed. And so when you think about the bigness of the promise for Abraham, Okay, I'm not even sure Abraham really grasps the full magnitude of what his believing was going to accomplish. But Abraham's identity and his destiny came from God's mouth. It didn't come from his own opinion. It didn't come from his family lineage. It came from the mouth of God. God is the only one that can define you. God is, he defines what's possible for you. He defines who you are. And when he came to Abraham, I mean, think about this, Abraham, we know the story. I mean, we know it so much, we don't know it. You know, I mean, you're really, he's 99 years old. He's, he's, he's old. His body is physically incapable of, of having children. But God didn't look at his body and he was telling Abraham, you don't need to be looking at your body either. You need to look to me. And your only job, Abraham, is to get fully persuaded that I'm able to do what I've promised. Your only job is to get fully persuaded that I'm able to do what I have spoken. And then it describes God. It says here in verse 17, it says, he was appointed our father in the sight of God whom believes. So from God's perspective, he was our father. God saw it. It was done. And it says, this describes God. It says, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised, or let me say it a different way, that he has prophesied as though they already existed. So God talks different than we talk. He talks about you and to you and about your future, and about the circumstances you're involved in, as though you were already who he has said you are. He is not relating to you in a version of yourself that is not real. He always relates to you in how he sees you. So he he, he looks beyond your unrenewed mind. He looks beyond the issues going on in your life. He looks beyond your sin. He looks, he doesn't look at who you're, what you're acting like. He didn't, he didn't come to Gideon, you know, 
cowered under the tree. And even, he'd even speak re- remotely to his cowardness. He just called out his greatness. It's this, I mean, this is, the, the, you know this from the very beginning in Genesis 1. He just said, let there be light. He didn't deal with the darkness. He just said, let there be light. And so many times we are focused on what we're not that we can't believe who God says we are. You know, it's sin consciousness. It's, it's problem consciousness. It's circumstance consciousness. It's where we're conscious of everything. We're focused on everything except what God has spoken. And God speaks different than we talk. Now, there's something else I want to say here because, you know, God's words are not normal words. God's words are alive. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are life. His words carry power. His word has enough power in and of itself to bring itself to pass. He said, my word does not return void. So this is not just some, any, any word. This is a creative word. It has enough power in it to transform anything that's not like it. And so your faith and what you are focused on and what you are believing is not about you. Okay? You're not looking at yourself to decide if you are who God says you are. You aren't looking at your past. You're not looking at your bank accounts. You're not looking at the things that are going on in your life right now. You're not comparing the word of God with the way things are. You're comparing the word of God with who God is. This is about believing that God is able to do what he's promised. This is about God being able to make something beautiful out of ashes, to make water out of wine, to bring light out of darkness, to transform anything. God is can transform anything. His power is transformative. And if you think about the raw materials that he uses, he uses the junk. He uses the ashes. He uses the darkness. He uses the chaos. It's not, it's not, it's not a problem for God. It may, you may think it's a problem for you, but it's not a problem. What you think is a problem is not a problem. There are no problems for God. He is able to do what he's promised. Impotence, no problem, Abraham. You're old, oh, no problem, Abraham. Sarah's barren, uh, no problem, Abraham. The circumstances have nothing to do with God's power. All that's important is what he said. What did he say? Father of nations. He had Abraham change his name from Abram to Abraham. Why? Because he wanted agreement. He wanted agreement. I want every time you say your name for you to declare who you are. Agree. Right? I want you to go outside and look at the stars. I want you to see what I've said. And, and, 
Romans 4 talks about Abraham's journey to get fully persuaded and to get acquainted with this God who talks completely different than human beings and has the power in his speech to transform anything. I mean, he didn't come from, you know, the sixth generation pastor. You know what I'm saying? He, he didn't have a legacy of, of faith in his family. He came from pagans, and he was learning this before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So you and I have so, many, so much more help <laughs> than Abraham had. We have a, sh- a better covenant. We have more sure, better promises. Yet Abraham is called the father of faith. And here's what it says. For Abraham, listen to this in the Amplified. I love it. Human reason for hope was gone. So there was no human reason to hope. So why don't we give up human reason for hope? Our hope, if it is based in human reason, it's no hope at all. Our hope is in God. Our hope is because we know God. We are hopeful because we know God. We are hopeful because we know the one for whom all things are possible. We are hopeful because our God is a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a savior. He's a way maker. <laughs> he's a, he's a, a time stopper. He's a... There's, is anything too hard for God? Does he even have to get up off his throne? Does he break a sweat? He's, he's so powerful, he doesn't even need to sleep. He doesn't need to sleep. Perfect light. Perfect love. The all-sufficient one. The one who is self-existent, omnipotent omniscient, all places. I mean, we, we, the problem is we, have, we, have, we are magnifying everything but God. But Abraham, human reason for hope was gone. But here's what it said. He hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. He, this is what God said. Numberless shall your descendants be. So he didn't just say you're going to be a father. God doesn't know how to do anything just a little bit. You know, he doesn't know how to just give a little bit of blessing. I mean, we'll, we'll experience a little bit of blessing sometimes because that's all, we, can, that's all we, we, we think we're worthy of. But, you know, I love the story. I don't know if you've ever rec- seen this story, but in, it's also in the Amplified Version. Um, but it was when um, the, the guys had, had fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus gave him a word, right? He gave him a word and said to let down their nets for a drop, for another, for a big catch. And I'm going to go there um, in Luke. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to read it to you also in the Amplified Version. Because... It brings something out. It's what it, here's what he said to the guys. Simon Peter said, Master, we toiled all night exhaustingly and caught, on the, caught nothing in our nets. But on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. 
just want you to kind of, on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. It says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And as their nets were at the point of breaking, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and take hold with them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Okay, so Abraham was given a numberless number of descendants. And these guys, I have a feeling that if there had been more boats, that there would have just been more fish and more fish and more fish and more fish and more fish. It's, it, they just couldn't contain it, right? I mean, God, God, could, God will give you what you can contain. But here's the interesting part to me that's even, even, point of the, even part of this. Okay, their nets were breaking. The boats are sinking. It says, but when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees. And this is what he said to him. In the midst of this huge blessing, he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Why? Because God's goodness is too good to be true. And we don't deserve it. And we're so used to having to earn everything or be good enough for everything or be good looking enough or have enough money. We're so used to having to have something together to get something good that when God's goodness comes, it's so overwhelming and so astounding and so freakish. All we can do is think about how we're not worthy about of it. And this is a, it really interesting. He said, so he's like trying to tell Jesus just gave him this incredible blessing. He's like, I'm sin, I'm a sinful man. I can't be around you. Right? And then here's what he says: For he was gripped with bewildering amazement. Now this is not like stand up and do your glory dance. Here's what it says in the Amplified: Allied to terror. He was terrified by what had just happened. And it says, and all who were with him at the hall of fish they had made. I always visualize this story as kind of like an episode from Twilight Zone where all of a sudden there's just fish everywhere and it's like, do, 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 you know, and you're just, they're just terrified, freaked out by all these fish. And they are like, who are you? And, oh my goodness, I'm not worthy of all this. I just get away. You know, we're just, they're, they're terrified. See, you guys, our expectations are so low of God. When God has a numberless blessing in store for you, he has, he doesn't know how to do things small. He is a, extravagant, lavish God. So, just, you know, so when God, you just have to expect when God speaks something to you, it's going to bring up this stuff. Who am I to receive this? Who, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not whole enough. I'm not whatever we say, right? I don't deserve this, right? And then if we do, it, we're like, we, it's like, it's almost like the promise causes us to look in the mirror and see all the reasons why we can't have this. It is so silly, but you're, it's, it's what we do. It's like, but the promise confronts unbelief. The prophecy absolutely confronts the unbelief. But here it says, Abraham hoped in faith. 
He hoped in faith. And in verse 19, it says, and he didn't weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. So Abraham got to the place where he could look at his own impotence. He could look at his own inability to bring the word to pass. And he has peace with it. I have peace with my own inability to bring this about. I have peace with the fact that I'm impotent. I have peace with the fact that Sarah is, is barren, but it still doesn't change what God's spoken. I, I, it just, he, he just he got to the place where he didn't weaken in faith. When he thought about how impossible it was, he said, no unbelief or distrust of God. Write those two words down. Unbelief and distrust. Unbelief and distrust. Because those are the things that make us waver. That make us, and here in the Amplified it says, no unbelief or distrust made him waver. And then it says, doubtingly question. Unbelief and distrust makes us doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. So instead of wavering, it says, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. So here's the deal. We're going to be thinking about something. We're going to be focusing on something. And so what Abraham focused on was God. He gave praise and glory to God. Anytime you are faced with a giant or faced with a prophetic promise or you're just, you're just in the process with God of receiving the manifestation of something that he has declared as yours, right? There you go. But it's... Whenever you're in that place, it's called the fight of faith. That's what it's called. It's called the fight of faith. And it's the only fight you're ever in. I know that there's a lot of other fights that you may think you're in. And we can have fights with, you know, people and fights in ourselves and all kinds of fights. But the fight of faith is the fight we're in. And it's the fight between unbelief and distrust or giving praise and glory to God. And it said, says here that he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and do what he had promised. And here's, this is such a powerful thing, and it's, it says that is why his faith was credited to him as righteousness. Isn't that interesting that righteousness has to do with your personal perfection? 
Righteousness is about Abraham. He was called righteous, perfect by God. Righteous, declared righteous, as righteous as God. There's none righteous, none but God. But Abraham was declared righteous because he believed God was able to do what he promised. That's why it's called the righteousness by faith. It's not righteousness by performance. It's righteousness by believing that God is who he said he is. And let me say this. God is not who he says he is because you've seen him work a miracle on your behalf. God is who God says he is regardless of what you've experienced. The fight is to believe. The fight is to give glory to God. Hmm? Well, the fight of faith is the fight to believe. Faith, you always have faith in what you believe. So it's a fight to believe. Well, you have faith. Faith is simply the force that's attached to what you believe. We are always operating in faith. Matter of fact, when you fear something, that's faith. Because you believe more in whatever you fear than you do in God. So faith follows what you believe. It is just a fact. So whatever you believe, you have faith in. You have faith for that. Right? So the fight of faith, another way of saying that, is the fight to believe. It's the fight to believe. It's the fight to not be led by your physical senses and your circumstances. It's the fight to stand in the face of impotence and barrenness and give glory to God. It's this internal fight that wants to drag you down back to the scene realm and the circumstances. And it's a fight. It's a fight against your flesh. It's a fight against unbelief. It's a fight against the temptation to disbelieve God. There's a fight there to have faith in God and to believe what God has spoken. Does that make sense? Well, he he wants you to have faith in the wrong thing. He wants you to have faith in his version of your life. Mm -hmm. The fight is to believe that God is able to do what he said. Right, I mean, because here's the thing. It always is a fight. The enemy comes immediately to steal the word of God. For you to think that the prophetic promise for your life, that you'll get it not fully persuaded. I mean, you, our, our reality is based upon what we believe. We already have what we believe. And so this is a, this is a, a process of becoming fully persuaded it's a mind renewal exercise is what it is. It's, it's, it's an upgrade in your thinking. It is, an, it, it, is, it, is, it is your ability to see yourself the way God sees you. It is your ability to see it finished. It is your ability to be, and it's, it's the fight. You see, the thing, here's the thing. When you're fully persuaded, there's not a fight anymore. 
you, you've entered into rest. You've just entered into agreement. You're not fighting when you agree. You agree. I mean, for example, we don't fight. I'm just going to take transgender issues out of it for a moment. But if you aren't struggling with your own gender identity, then I don't have to, you're not going to fight to have to believe you're a woman or fight to have to believe you're a man. Like, it doesn't even occur to you that you're not a woman or you're not a man. It's just a settled fact. And you live out of that identity and out of that way of being. And it doesn't occur to you to even fight about that internally. You don't even think about it. Why? Because it's a settled identity issue. Does that make sense? You doesn't. You just don't even. It's it's it's. You're fully persuaded that you're a man or a woman, right? Now I know in our, the day and age we live in, there's a lot of folks that struggle in these areas, right? But it's a good it, it, for those that are that that is settled for. That's a very good example of how you just rest. You rest in your womanhood. You rest in your manhood, and you just rest in that, right? And so these things that, when, see, God was calling Abraham the father of a nation as much as Abraham was a man. It was his, part of his identity. Father of a nation, identity. These are identity issues many times, these prophetic words. They're identity issues. And we know, when, you're, when you get to the place where you're fully persuaded, you're just, you know. You know, right? And what God is saying is that you're going to be this year, you're going to know. You're going to know that you are who he says you are. And when you know that you are who he says you are, guess what? Your way of being, you experience the way of being as he says you are. It's a way of being. It's not something you're trying to be. You're living out of an identity because you're, it, it's who you are. And a lot of us are still over here on this side trying to be convinced by God that we are who he says we are. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I'm going to go back here because I wanted to elaborate a little bit on some of the, the word that God was speaking to me over this year, and I just want to make sure everybody had seen it and read it. And I wanted to elaborate a little bit on that and then walk through some points. But I wanted to kick off this, this the year, he's, it's a year of manifestation. But if you don't understand the link between full, being fully persuaded and manifestation, I mean, the manifestation is a result of full persuasion. Does that make sense? So... I'm going to just read this, okay? 2017 uh, was a year of perseverance, is what the Lord said. Okay, what does it mean to persevere? Keep on going, right? Yeah. It says, you've been steadfast in the face of many challenges and stood your ground when many would have fainted. You looked to me as your source and overcame the temptation to judge things naturally. You heeded James' James's advice when he said, don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. Now, let me just stop there. Don't run from giants. I remember the Lord told me one time, he said, you're not anointed to run. 
you're anointed to confront. He said, don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters, as difficult as they are. You will ultimately find joy in them. I mean, this is a powerful word. If you embrace them, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line, mature, complete, and wanting nothing. Okay, now what does this mean? It means manifestation. That you will see the manifestation of your destiny. You will see the manifestation of what God has spoken in your life. You will finish your race, mature, complete, and lacking nothing. So when we, I mean, in the other, other translations, it says count it all joy when you, you know, encounter di- you know, diverse trials and temptations. This to me brings out how you find the joy. See, trials and tests are only not joyful when you have faith in them. And somehow they have convinced you that God's a liar or that you're never going to have what God has promised. Here's what it said. Here's what the Lord said. He said, patience has prevailed, child. You've allowed me to prune what's needed to be pruned, and your roots have grown deeper because you refuse to be moved. You've grown stronger, and your endurance has increased. You are ready to run farther and faster in this coming year than ever before. Your faith has blossomed. And then he says, look at the gigantic fruit that your heart has produced. What fruit, you ask? It's right in front of you, beloved. Open your eyes. It's harvest time. Big, ripe, juicy fruit is falling to the ground right in front of you. It's the manifestation of the promises you've been standing on. So rejoice, beloved. Rejoice. It's harvest time. You still can't see it? Well, rejoice some more. Your rejoicing makes the invisible visible. Your celebration of the victory causes you to experience the victory. It's time to stop standing and start dancing. I want you to dance into 2018 fully persuaded. You will see the manifestation of what I have promised. 2018 will be a year of manifestation after manifestation after manifestation. It's time to reap with joy. The season of standing has become the season of dancing. The season of waiting has become the season of seeing. The season of believing has become the season of experiencing. Rejoice, child. It's time to party like it's 1999. Now, this word is for whosoever will. Right? This is not a, oh, that's not for me. No, that's, that's a for whosoever will. This is on my Facebook page. If you want to go get a copy of it, check out the post, copy and paste it, keep it before you. But here's the thing. Where does unbelief come from? The enemy, but 
more specifically, where do, where does the unbelief come from? Distrust, lies we believe. Good. Good. How about past experiences? Yep, circumstances. Yeah. Right? And we think a lot of times that because it hasn't happened yet, it's never going to happen. Or we think we've tried and we failed before, so it's just going to be more of the same. Um, we look at our future through the lens of past attempts and failures. Right? Um, I was what saw a testimony just recently on, a, on Facebook. It was from a Bethel student that was talking about her mother who was in a wheelchair and how long she's been standing for her mother to be healed and to get out of a wheelchair. And just the process that she went through to get to the place where she, in public one day, just out somewhere, prayed for a lady in a wheelchair. And the lady got out of the wheelchair, totally healed, and started running. So it was the process of going from, my own mother's been in a wheelchair my whole life. Who am I to pray for this woman in a wheelchair? And now this woman gets healed, and it's the process of, I pray for this woman, and she got out of the wheelchair, and my mom is still in a wheelchair. Right? So it's, that's one example of how unbelief and just what we believe and how that shapes what we, what we experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. So unbelief is shaped by a lot of different things. It's shaped by things that we were taught through our past experiences through things we were taught by authority figures, um, just past failures, right? Or, or, or our own self-image of believing God can't use us this way. I mean, there's a million things that cause unbelief, right? But you, we need to own it for what it is, Right? One of the things I love about the sessions that we do, the rethink sessions, if you aren't familiar with those, well, they are two-hour facilitated sessions with God that deal with unbelief. That's pretty much what they are. They, 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 it's supernatural mind renewal. It's you partnering with the Holy Spirit to get to the places in your heart, to get to your, in, the, in the way your subconscious beliefs were formed, and to reformate them to reformat them. And I'm in the process because I'm writing a book right now, the book that I've been supposed to be writing for, you know, 15 years, and I'm finally doing it, confronting some of the things in my own life that is keeping me, had kept me from doing that. And so right now I'm doing these sessions every week. I'm a huge believer in them because it's easy. (laughs) And I don't want to spend 20 years overcoming an unbelief when the Holy Spirit knows exactly how it was formed, right? And so every week, week after week, I'm different. I'm supernaturally different because I have confronted the unbelief. But here's the thing. I have been walking the faith walk for a very, very long time. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time and seeing manifest. I mean, I've been 
watching the manifestation of promises in my life for a very long time. And so it's pretty easy for me to recognize the unbelief in my heart. It's pretty easy for me to, to, to have enough self-awareness to recognize that I have a stronghold. I have a, a, a subconsciously held reason why the manifestation of this is not happening in my life. Now, I know for some people that is like an aha, really? But, you know, because we're taught to do a lot of things. We're taught we'll just keep confessing the word. I mean, you know how many people I know that have died confessing the word? And then we blame God. And a lot of times we don't want to take responsibility for our unbelief because then we feel bad about it, right? But it's just a program. It's just a way of thinking. It's just some, a way that you were taught. I mean, the whole world system is teaching us all kinds of nonsense all the time. The news, we're inundated with unbelief. We're inundated. We're taught how to die. We're taught how to let food control our lives. And, and we're just taught an enormous, under the guise of wisdom. Nothing to do with the cross. Nothing to do with what Jesus defeated at Calvary and what is illegal in our lives because of what Jesus accomplished. We are taught all kinds of nonsense all the time. And so there's no condemnation that you and I don't believe right, (laughs) that we are not operating with the full uh, revelation of God's mind, right? But it's, it's something to recognize this is a stronghold in my life. This belief system is a stronghold in my life, right? And I, I don't even a lot of times know why I believe it. I just know it's there, right? And so if we're going to become fully persuaded, this, whole, this is all about it's, it's overcoming unbelief and it's overcoming distrust. Abraham did it by glorifying God and magnifying God. And just focusing on how big God is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, a lot of all that stuff makes it more complicated than it is, Shelley. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, he just, it was, how did he do it? Belief is not, I mean, I think belief is pretty simple. That's why Jesus says become like a little child. I don't feel like believing is complicated. I feel like unbelief is complicated. Unbelief is super complicated. But unbelief, you know what I'm saying? Like we have very, that's why the word says to cast down reasonings and imaginations and theories that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. I mean, the reasoning of our minds on all of the reasons why God can't do what God has promised. Does that make sense? So so it's not difficult. It's not difficult. And even think about it. Even think about the revelation that you've gotten from Holy Spirit that is the truth that sets you free. The truth is never complicated. It's not like he unpacks, you know, the laws of physics to you. You know, he just comes down with some simple truth. Some simple truth. But Because Jesus is truth. And when Jesus shows up and speaks the truth to you, when it's a revelation to you and it illuminates your heart that way, 
I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's a done deal because he has, he did it. Jesus did something to you. You know what, I, do you know what I'm saying? Like the, the revelation changed you. Jesus, the, the God did this. The Holy Spirit did this in you. That's why no flesh can glory, right? Yeah. And so what all I'm saying is, is that the awareness is a big deal. Because a lot of times we're so unaware that our unbelief is the problem, we actually are blaming God. We're actually offended with God. Like God's holding something back from us. And that's the exact same strategy. That that, that is a result of the fall. That is the exact same strategy that the enemy used with Eve. God's distrustworthy. You're not going to die. He lied to you. And if you eat this fruit, you're not going to die. You're going to be like him. It's going to make you wise. He's holding, he's holding wisdom back from you, Eve. So you need to eat this, this fruit so you can be like him, so you can be wise on your own, right? And so it's this strategy to get us to distrust and to get us to blame God. And that's what a lot of times we're, we, because we, we aren't recognizing the only problem I have is a thinking problem. The only problem we have is a believing problem. That is it. All things are possible if we can believe. It's the only problem a believer has is a thinking problem. I mean, time and time again, Jesus proved that. There is a supernatural solution to whatever you are facing. There is always... A miracle. There is always a breakthrough. There is always heaven's response. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and de- fear of death in of itself. I mean, Hebrews talks about how man is held in bondage all their life through the fear of death. I mean, fear of death is, is an interesting thing. I mean, actually, it's been some of the things I've been working on in my sessions. So it's really interesting how uh, just fear in general. I mean, money, that's completely governed in our hearts by fear. Until, until you become fearless about money, you will struggle with money. It doesn't matter how much you've got. Until you get over the fear of running out, the fear of not having enough, which ultimately has to do with, if you really start to, it's not necessarily logical, but if you start to break that down, down to the fear of running out, down to the what I'm going to be at on the street, then I'm going to freeze, I'm not going to have food, and then I'm going to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you kind of bring it all the way down. It's really linked to the fear of death. But unbelief is what God is dealing with in our lives. And he is after your full persuasion. So one of the things I talked about was putting the past behind us. Because our past is a big source of unbelief. And if you are going to fulfill your destiny, if you are going to release the full potential of Christ in you, 
you are going to have to overcome failure. You are going to have to forget the things that lie behind. You are going to have to forgive. You are going to have to bring closure to the, the times that, to the disappointments, to the whatever, whatever has happened on your path to becoming, to, to I should say, to, to manifesting the fullness of who you are. Right? Forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's not something you do one time. It's something that we do day in, day out, day out. Offense comes. And so forgiving yourself, forgiving God, forgiving others, whoever needs to be forgiven needs to be forgiven. And it's as simple as I choose by an act of my will. I'm not saying it's as simple in your heart and your emotions, but it is as simple as the act of saying I choose to forgive. I choose to give, forgive myself for perpetuating the same behaviors that have got me in the same place for the last 15 years, for not knowing how to change, for, for not recognizing the Holy Spirit's help, for, you know, whatever, whatever it is that comes up in your heart that you're angry with yourself about. I mean, I, I did a whole teaching for you know, the last several months on how the gospel gives you permission to love yourself. And forgiving yourself and not keeping a record of wrongs and and watching this dialogue in your head about how you think about yourself and how you talk about yourself. If you you are name-calling yourself, if you're saying, I'm so stupid, why do I do that? What is wrong with me? If If you have an inner dialogue that sounds anything like that, then there is an offense that you have with yourself. And it is strife with yourself. And where there is strife, there's confusion and every evil work. And so you need to go through that process of forgiving yourself. And you may need to do that a lot. And learning to just embrace that place where you need Jesus. I mean, the fact that you need Jesus is not a problem. You know, somebody the other day was, we were having this conversation about, you know, baby Christians versus mature Christians. And there's this popular, like, pop theology, that's what I call it, that goes around that somehow baby Christians get more blessed than mature Christians. And I don't find a single scripture that ever backs that up. That has never been my experience because I don't believe it. We, we absolutely get what we believe. And I don't believe that. I believe that maturity is becoming more dependent on God. And if anything, the more mature you get, the more that you receive and the more that you're able to experience from God because you know him more. I don't believe you outgrow, like all of a sudden you grow into independence. Like I don't need God. I got, a ha- I got it handled, Jesus, thanks. Don't bless me. Don't give me favor. Don't, don't hold my hand because I'm mature now. I just don't find that in the Bible, you know. But what, that's an example of... I'm sharing that to say that we need to embrace our learning curve. We need to give ourselves grace. We need to give the same grace to ourselves that Jesus gives to us. You know, we can nullify the grace of God because we refuse to give grace to ourselves. Like here, all this grace is being poured out, and yet we have none for ourselves. So what good is God's grace? Right? So it's it's... It's forgiving yourself. So part of bringing closure to, the, to 2017 and every other year is just bringing closure to the fact that you are where you are. You are today where you are. What does that mean? You know what it means? Nothing. It means nada. 
It doesn't have to mean anything. The story you tell yourself about where you are today matters. Because if you believe you're here today because you've been such an idiot, or if you're, you're here today because you just couldn't get it right, well, what confidence are you going to have that you're going to get it right this time? Right? No. It, it, God can, he could plop you down on Mars and get you to your destination. Where you are today is not a limitation for God. It's a limitation in your mind. It took six days to create the entire scene, planet, universe. I think he can get you where you need to be. No matter how much time you've wasted. So forgive yourself for wasting time. Forgive yourself for the mistakes that you've made. Forgive others for hindering you and, and hurting you and disappointing you and making it difficult and making it harder. And you say, I've done this before. Well, maybe you just need to do it again because maybe it's still not resolved in your heart. Whatever it is. It's bringing closure so that you have a clean slate coming into 2018. And you'll be surprised at how you aren't even aware of what you need to forgive until you sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? What do I need to forgive myself for? Am Am I offended with you about anything? Do I need to forgive you for anything? Who am I offended? Am I offended? Just clear that mess out. Right? And ask Holy Spirit to show you. I mean, I've had so many, I've had the Lord show me so many different times, different pictures of like me running a race, you know, and feeling like, oh, I've gone around in a detour. I've gone along, you know, and he's shown me all kinds of things about, you know what, you may think you've gone around in, a, in detours, but he, he bringing context to that stuff. And helping me understand my own journey to this point. But have a conversation, whatever conversation you need to have with the Lord about giving, making 2017, I'm sorry, 2000, bringing 2017 and all the other years, putting that to bed. And forgiveness is always a huge, is a good part of that, right? The other thing I would say is if you want to get an agreement with where the, what the Father what he wants for you for this year, you've got to ask him, what are you asking me to agree with? And when he tells you, recognize that more than likely, the reason you don't already have it is because you don't believe it. Right? And so it's an invitation to believe something different. The very nature of a prophetic word, the very nature of a promise is so that you, it's an invitation to believe something. And so there is a probably a gap between where you are today and what God is saying for you. There's probably a gap in your experience and in what you believe. And so that's why I read this story about, about Abraham, because there was in his, how many of you know, this was, a, this was a miracle he was believing for. 
And there was no reason for hope for Abraham. So today where you are, there may be no reason for hope. For most of us, I would venture to say this isn't a new thing. He's not asking you to believe something new. For most of us, he's asking you to believe the same thing he's probably been telling you to believe for five years. If we're just honest. Because the things he was telling you to believe five years ago, still possibly you still haven't experienced yet. Right? So it doesn't mean you go on to the next thing. Like you're looking for the next big word or the next big deal. You're standing for the promises that he's... I mean, Abraham was standing and standing and standing and standing for this promise. Am I making sense here? Yeah. All right. So this is not... I just want... I don't want you to feel like this is impossible because it's not. It's this, this is your time. When someone tells me that unbelief is my problem... I do a happy dance. Because unbelief is, Holy Spirit is an expert at taking our unbelief and causing it to just, faith and belief just to explode out of our hearts. It's the process of partnering. And I love it because it's so intimate and it's so awesome and it's so revelatory. And I get to learn more about God in the process. And I get to learn just, it's just so exciting to me. I mean, it's not exciting to be in the place where, you know, you just, it's, you know, you're standing and it's a little frustrating that, but when you turn that place and say, no, let's not get frustrated. Let's not just, let's just partner with God. You know, I, and I've shared this before, but you know, when I was standing, I'd had all those serial miscarriages and God was saying, you are the joyful mother of children. You are, you are the mother of children. And you know, I had so much uh, programming in me. For miscarriage, I've had, I'd had three. I was adopted. My mother wasn't raised by her natural mother. We had this kind of adopted image thing in my family, kind of like a grasshopper image, but it was an adopted image, right? Plus three, so I had adopted image, and then I had a miscarriage. You know, now granted, I wasn't aware necessarily of that. I just asked the Lord, how is the enemy stealing from me? Because I know what, that you've, what you've spoken. I know what your word says. So how is, the, how is the devil doing this? How, how is this miscarriage thing continuing to perpetuate in my life? It's no different with your finances. It's no different with the relational struggles that seem to circulate in your life. I mean, it's this, you name whatever the, whatever the thing in your life that, is, that God is saying, no, this isn't who you are. I haven't called you to a life like this, right? And so it, it was saying those words, how is the enemy stealing from me? She's, how, how, do I de- how do I overcome this? How do we go for the manifestation of this? First of all, you have to recognize that it's spiritual. And that I would have been so easy for me to say, God is to blame. If he wanted me to have a child, I would have a child. God, that, is the, that theology is so dangerous. God is in control. No, he's not. He is sovereign. He, ha- he, he has all control, but in his sovereignty, he created us in his image, which means he does not control us. We are free. We are free. We are free to believe crap. 
Well, we're free. We're free to choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We are free to be led by our physical senses. We are free. We are free beings created in the image of God to be free and to be sovereign. To give our authority away or keep our authority. And God gave authority to Adam. He gave authority to human beings to rule the planet. So we aren't blaming God for starving kids in Africa. Right? We're not blaming God for the abortion problem. Like we think God's going to sovereignly solve that even. He's going to solve that through human beings who have authority to solve it. He's going to solve the... the that, it, his own child had to come through a human being. The Savior of the planet had to come through a human being. If he redeemed us using people, right? I mean, so... The blaming, I could have said, if God wanted me to have a child, I would have already had a child. Thank God, I knew better. And I knew there was only two, and even I didn't even blame the enemy. He might have been doing the stealing, but there had to be a way. The devil can't kill you. He cannot keep you from the promised land without your agreement. How many of you know the grasshopper image is what kept them out of the promised land, not the giants? It wasn't the demons in the giants or the principalities or whatever we want to talk about. It was the way the Israelites viewed themselves. And I had to own and come to terms with the fact and we don't like to do that because we, we seem weak. And we'll, how are you? Blessed and highly favored. Meanwhile, you're broke, sick, and can't get a job. But you're blessed and highly favored. Amen? Now, the truth is you are blessed and highly favored, but you don't believe it. And so you come to the terms, I mean... I was willing to take responsibility for what I believe. If we don't, who will? It's like, you know, it's boundaries. It's what am I responsible for? What is, what is God responsible for? What am I? I mean, they're your beliefs. They're your choices. They're your thoughts. They're your feelings. The Holy Spirit's called the helper, not the controller. He will help you control your thoughts. He will help you make the right decisions. He will help you change what you believe. But we have to stop playing the blame game and we have to stop being a victim. I mean, Abraham could have felt sorry for himself. I'm impotent. Here I am, 99. My wife is barren. I don't have any heirs. I'm going to have to give it to this, you know, my slave's son. I have to go take matters into my own hand. I mean, he just, you know, self-pity is not your friend. It is not your friend. Feeling sorry for yourself is a victim, weak mentality that will keep you exactly where you are right now. It will, it'll give you a flat tire, put you in the ditch, and keep you stuck right there. And so you recognize that when that's going on. These are, these are part of the mindsets that God is wanting to deal with. Because he already sees you as a mighty man of valor. He already saw me as a, a, a joyful mother of children. 
I love that because once you have the kids, then you got to focus on the other part of the verse, the joyful part, right? I'm not just a mother. I'm a joyful mother, right? Of children. And I keep house, you know? So then you got to like, oh, okay, well, that was one part. That's a, that's a three part promise right there. Right. But, um, that's God. Hey, eh? there's always more, but the point is I've been working with, I realize that this is, it's about, it's about overcoming a grasshopper image. It's about becoming fully persuaded. And you know what the tests and the trials are? To see what you believe. The enemy comes to test you with what you believe. And what we fear is what we believe. If we fear that we're never going to have kids, we fear we're whatever that fear is. I mean, it's, that's faith. So the tests and the trials, it says if you'll embrace them. What? Embrace them? Embrace the fact that I've had three miscarriages? You know, by the third one, I was in the process of beginning, becoming, becoming so fully persuaded. I was a mad woman. I, I really believe I've, I connected in with Paul in, when he was in the Philippian jail. I, I, I experienced this joy and laughter because I had already seen my life from an eternal perspective and I knew that, I already knew that I was a joy. I knew it. I'm not even sure why I was having the miscarriage, but I laughed. I just laughed and I just had, I mean, I was crazy. Like you don't, people, people don't know how to relate to you when you, when you act like this. You know, you're supposed to be, you're, you know, it's not, you're not even, it's a completely foreign way of thinking. God's mind is so high and so far above that it's like foreign to the, it's foolishness to the natural mind. It just seems so ridiculous and so inappropriate. It's almost inappropriate. I mean, they would tell Jesus, blasphemy, who do you think you are? Being, you know, making yourself equal with God. It's just crazy talk. Paul, they thought he was a madman. Just crazy talk, right? So, it's okay that you have a mind that needs to be removed. Okay? There's no condemnation for you being right where you are right now. It is not a problem for Jesus. It is not a problem for the Holy Spirit. And Abraham wasn't smarter than you. Abraham didn't even have the things that you have. Like Shelley said, you know, he didn't even have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the tools that you had. He had some stars to look at, a name change, and a couple of encounters with God. Circumcision, don't forget that one. That was probably a very good reminder every time he went to the bathroom about his covenant with God. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty practical, actually. That's pretty smart of God, right? God can't even go to the bathroom without, you know, confronting what God has spoken about, right? His privates and what's going to come from his loins. That's pretty, I mean, you know, God's not a, he's not a, he's not a prude, is he? But um, anyway, yeah. So the process of getting into agreement with God is saying, Holy Spirit, help. Right? 
where did I believe this nonsense? And what do I do? In my case, he just gave me a very simple imagination, kind of like he did with Abraham. He just gave me a vision of being nine months pregnant, walking around in the garden with Jesus. Jesus and I would have picnics. He'd feed me grapes, you know, and he would just, it was just a beautiful vision of me being nine months pregnant. It was so powerful. I've shared the testimony before, but if I had morning sickness, if I went into the garden with Jesus and ate some grapes, morning sickness would fall off of my body. I could, I mean, like even that couldn't, the curse couldn't even, even penetrate that because why I was, I was living what was true. I was being who I was before I was. You know, I was, I was experiencing myself in my future. What a thought. Instead of focusing around on how impossible this is, what if you just actually got an agreement with God by visualizing it already being finished? What if you asked Holy Spirit to show you what the manifestation of the promise looks like? And you began meditating on that. It's your version of going out and looking at the stars. This is why I felt like for um, some of the folks that I'm coaching with, I'm telling everyone, do a 2018 dream board. Go, go to Walmart, get your little trifold board, break out the magazines and get some visual representations of what God is speaking over your year this year. He is serious. And here's the thing, guys. Like I said at the beginning, this is about more than you. This is about other people's destinies. This is about other people's breakthrough. It's not selfish to receive from God. It's a tree. It's like a, it's like a piece of fruit that falls off and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. So, you know, making a vision board of just the things that God is speaking. I mean, I am all over it. My family and I are absolutely putting that together. I've already been cutting papers, you know, cutting little things off the internet and thinking through, like, this is what God is saying. Because I do not want to be a problem for God. I don't want to be the the reason why he's got to raise up three other people to do something because I wasn't able to get in agreement with him because it was my assignment to do. And now he's got to go to plan B or C because you know, his kingdom's moving forward with or without me. And so I just am doing everything I know to do to give him the opportunity to change my mind. What I see is important. What I meditate on is important. Who I surround myself with is important. I have two new coaches coming into this year because I, wanted the, I had three dreams. And three, the, these dreams revealed to me three things the enemy had stolen from me. And as a result of it, I realized that there was a lack of, there was, a, there was a, so, just some coaching and some mentorship that was lacking in my life. And wham, bam, God just put the right people in my life when I recognized it and got in agreement with it. It matters who's speaking into your life. You know, be careful. It says, be, you know, be careful what you're hearing. The measure that you give to it will be the measure that it returns back to you. So you should not be, you shouldn't be the one that's 
the highest person in your life, meaning you should be following someone or getting input from someone who is further along than you. And you want to surround yourself with the right voices. And, you know, one of the things that a good mentor will do, they don't do the work for you, but they tell you the truth. They tell you the truth. You know, I remember just saying something out of my mouth, like, oh, I'm just, I don't have a clue about what to do. And one of my mentors just looked at me and said, that's a lie. Like, how is that thought helping you? Like, what, you're clueless? Like, you don't have a single idea, like a single clue? Like, how, are, how is you telling yourself that? What is that? What is that? That doesn't, you're not showing up as who you are when you say that. You know, so it's someone that will challenge you. It's someone that will, will bring you to confront the ways of being that you are, that you are acting out of today that are not going to get you where you're supposed to be. What else was I going to say about that? But these are just some thoughts here, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's focusing on God, not the problem. It's getting some tools in front of you that, that you, your, your mind is designed to focus on something. Okay. It will worry or it will praise God. <laughs> you know, I mean, and we're called to think, think on things that are lovely and pure and of good report. I mean, God told Joshua, meditate on my words day and night to observe, to do all that I've written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You know, I have a friend who um, is in ministry, very successful minister, and and he has a book of all the prophetic words that he's ever been given, and it's actually bound. So he sent it off to a place that you could make it into an actual book. And so he has a book, a literal book, that are the prophecies from his life. And he is, he's all, his personality type, if you've ever done Myers-Briggs, is he's, he's, he's a very disciplined guy. But it's so inspiring because he keeps this stuff before him. And one of the things about, about receiving an upgrade from God is you are not going to have a breakthrough doing the same things you've been doing. Things are going to have to change. And you have to know yourself well enough to know how to, how to put some things in your life that are going to work with how you are right that minute. So, for example, to write the book, I knew myself enough that if I was just supposed to be self-motivated and put a schedule together and write this book, we would end up at 2018 and the book would not be written. I know myself I work best on deadlines. I work best. I need structure. I need, I need something external to motivate me and to keep me on track. So I found a coach and I found someone that's actually gone through the process. I, you know, I don't like to, I don't like to do anything that's not excellent. I, I won't even do it. Like if I have the choice between doing it excellent or not doing it, I will always choose not doing it. So that was another thing. I knew enough about myself. It's not something to go cheap on, Shalise. Right, so my point is, and, and guess what? I didn't have the money to do that when I made that decision. But I have grown into a way of being. Money doesn't tell me what I do and what I don't. I mean, that is just, that's already a part of who I am. 
Over the years, that's been developed in me. So I didn't look at the price of anything. I looked at what do I need to change. This is going to change me. I need to be challenged. I need to be changed. I need to, I need to be confronted. I need the way of being that has got me to this point to get shaken up so that I can become more of who God has called me to be. I, when you go back and look at the prophetic word of when I was called into ministry, I mean, it's, it's the first sentence about writing books. You know, so it's, 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 I'm sharing this with you, not because it's about me. It's not about me. This is about you. And about you not letting excuses, your past, whatever comes up, that none of that's the problem. None of the, what you, what we think is the problem is not the problem. And you know, sometimes I remember for me, one of the things for me was doing these weekly prayer sessions to work through some things. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. You know, I'd been there, done that, got the t-shirt, felt like I didn't need to do it anymore. Didn't want to do it. And all God gave me was someone's name. Just call that person. Well, I'm so glad that I made that phone call and that I was obedient to do that because we ended up swapping executive coaching for some of these sessions and it's incredible what God is doing in her life through that, through the arrangement that we made. So you never know what God is putting together when he says make a phone call. Or, you know, reach out to this person. Well, Lord, I can't afford that. Or I can't, you know, all the things that I don't want to. Whatever, no. You, you know when you've heard God. And you know when you're not doing what God said. It took me like three months. I was on obedient right away. Maybe it was two months. But you know when you'll do it? When you get sick of being stuck. Then the last point I wanted to make was what is the next step that God is asking you to take? It's so important that you get the things in place here at the beginning of the year that you need to get in place because this feeling of of changing the year, this external motivator that happens in the calendar goes away really quickly. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work. Pretty soon it's back to life as normal. So you want to do what you can in this time to make some pretty drastic changes. In, in the sense of, it's not like I'm saying go change your diet and get to the gym. I mean, praise God, do that if that's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying get the resources that you need. Recognize this is an, a battle with unbelief. Do the vision board. Put it somewhere you're not gonna 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 just behind the couch and you never see it again. You know, I mean I did it and then by February I forgot I even did it. Right? I mean, form a, an accountability group with a partner. Do what you need to do to hold yourself accountable that this is the year. This is the year. Okay, questions? Yep. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not your problem. And then I would say, okay, if you're not holding back from me, then what's the problem? I mean, that would be my very, very next question then. Okay, so if that's not what's happening, what is happening? Right? One of the things that happens when we talk with the Lord is we, we don't let him finish. You know, a lot of times he'll say something and then we just run off with our own interpretation or we just stick there stuck and don't, what does he mean by that? Rather than just asking, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, continuing the conversation. You know, one of the things that I also do every year is I tell folks, hear from God about the word that he has for this lot, this year for you. One word, one word. What's the one word that he has for you this year? And so has anybody done that? Okay. And what, what words have you gotten so far? Understanding. Upgrade. Blessings. So I'd encourage you, put that word on your vision board, okay? My year for last year was focus. And that has been such a good word. Such a, it's such, an, such a good word. My word for this year is manifestation. But I also know that focus and manifestation go hand in hand. So I don't feel like I've left <laughs> focus, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a different season for, and it's a diff, I believe that's for everyone too. I feel like that's a very much a corporate word. I, I really feel like that my life is many, many times like a prophetic picture of what's going on corporately. And so one word that you get from the Lord. Yeah. Question? Charge. That's a good word. That's a good word. And that, to me, as soon as you said that, I heard, I saw you charging. I had a picture of David running to confront the giant. It was just a picture of just confronting that thing like you're about to chop its head off. Right? Just you're running towards the, you're running towards the, the stronghold, the enemy, the giant. Yeah. Well, let me just pray here for a minute and see what the Lord has. So, Father, just just close out tonight with just some encouragement and, and what you're wanting to say. I just feel the Lord is saying, um, don't stop. And I'm, I'm hearing that, that journey song from, like, the 80s. Believe, and yeah, yeah, don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. And, um, you know, there is there is something to be said for... I mean, I, I, I'm seeing like this picture of kind of up and down, up and down, almost like a roller coaster. You know, it's been up, it's been down, it's been up, it's been down, it's been up, it's been down. Um, and, and it's almost like we've made the up and down mean something. But I just feel like the Lord is like, just, just not only don't stop believing, but just don't stop, don't faint. You know, the word says that in due season, we will, we will reap if we faint not. Keep walking. You know, keep going. Keep going. 
uh, I'm reminded even now of a story about the guy that was digging for gold and he, you know, had dug so much and so much and so much and finally gave up, sold the land and the guy bought the land and started digging for gold and he started literally like an inch from where the last hole was and struck gold. So the Lord is, I just feel like the Lord is saying you're closer than you think. It's, cl- it's right in front of you. It's just like the word said earlier. It's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. It's according to your faith. It's not according to, no one is, no one can stop you, but you. Nothing can stop you. No man, no opinion, no devil, nothing can stop you. You are the only thing that can stop the power of God in your life. You are the only, the only thing. And really it's just, it's just, it's just a simple, for some of us, it's so, Lord is like, it's just such a, just a, little shift just a tiny little shift this we're not he's not talking about an earthquake shift a continental shift here it's just it's just a tiny little shift in the way that you perceive things and 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 don't look at how far the journey has been to judge how far the journey is like i've got such a long way to go well you've already come a long way you've come a long way it's just, you're in the promised land. You're in it. You're there. You're there. Jesus is the promised land, and you've already been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven, and you are already in the land of blessing. So open your eyes and see And Father, I just release that. I just release an impartation, just a prophetic impartation tonight for dreams, for for, uh, understanding to come, however it needs to come, Father. I know for me, it was I don't really dream like that, but it's been a season of dreams. I just release that over the people here tonight. Lord, I just release a a series of, uh, you know, just divine visions and encounters, and, and whether that's in the Word or whether that's just driving down the street. Lord, we just release the understanding and the knowledge that we need, Father, to overcome because you have called us overcomers. You have called us to be living epistles, to be walking testimonies of the truth, to be walking manifestations that you are who you say you are. And so I just release everyone here tonight, Father, into, I just see them like in their vision board. It's almost like I see somebody that's put like a picture of a beach or something on their vision board, but I don't just see the beach on their vision board. I see them in the picture on the vision and then, but it's not just the picture. It's almost like they stepped into reality like Narnia or something. They, they went through the picture and now they're living in it. So Father, I just declare that every person here is living in their future in a way that just makes it so real. It's so real. I just break off worry. I break off just, um, cycles of thinking father that have kept people stuck uh, i thank you for the that you are releasing the truth that sets us free you're releasing the truth that breaks that cycle that breaks that just takes the record that broken record off the record player and plays a new one father i thank you that that's the truth that's being released in this hour and I say yes and amen to that truth. I, I just re, just release truth that sets free, Father, in all ways and forms, Father, however it needs to come. 
And I just declare breakthrough. I just declare breakthrough, breakout, breakthrough manifestation over everyone that's here tonight, Lord. I release hope. Supernatural hope. And a strengthening of your spirit in our inner man, Father, to stand without wavering and courage to confront what needs to be confronted, Father, without fear in Jesus' name. Reach out and take it. Thank you, Father. And see yourself with it. And Father, we just we just say yes and amen to your plan for us this year, to to your uh, your calendar. Lord, I thank you that there are, I just am seeing like all kinds of experiences this year with you, Father, all kinds of breakthrough moments that you've got on your calendar. And we just, we just declare that every agenda that is not your agenda is broken off. We declare our own plans, the plans of the enemy, every scheme that is not originating from your heart and your mind, Father, we break that off right now in Jesus' name. And we release ourselves into uh, your move your strategic sequence of events. And we thank you, Father, that we are walking in a divine setup. It's a divine setup, God. Divine coincidences, uh, divine circumstances, divine appointments, divine alliances, divine relationships, God, divine con- just divine connections. We just release ourselves into that entirely uh, supernaturally orchestrated year. We are walking the paths that you prepared ahead of time and living the good life that you prepared and made ready for us to live. And Father, we just break, we just, we curse that unbelief. We curse those lies at the root. We just, we just declare, Father, that every plant that the Heavenly Father has not planted is being rooted up in Jesus' name. And we say, let there be truth. Let there be light. Let there be upgrades. Let there be breakthroughs. Let there be renewed minds. Let there be agreement. We just call agreement into being right now. We call us in agreement. We call us in agreement. We call us upgraded, Father. We call us Uh, already experiencing the manifestation right now, Father. We are talking like you. We call ourselves talking like you and thinking like you right now, Father. We just open up our mouths and our hearts, God, and we declare that you are changing the way we talk. You're changing the way that we see. You are bringing us into alignment and into uh, congruency with you, God. So we call ourselves up to that higher place and declare that we are operating from it now. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper because they're all duds. And I thank you that we see it for what it is, Lord. Yeah. And so I just release us into this week, Father. I release us into this supernatural week. And I declare that we will be walking through it with senses that are awakened. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Jordan, I saw you um, standing in front of the mirror and telling yourself some things. 
pointing your finger at yourself and saying, Jordan, listen here. And it was like, it was like you were encouraging yourself and telling you what to think and what to believe and what to speak. And it was like your words were going through the mirror into you, which was you. And it was just this incredible, um, like chiseling off of things and rewiring of things and polishing off your armor. I just, just saw your words supernaturally getting you back into you. And um, I felt like the Lord is saying, don't forget that your voice activated, son. That the enemy is after your thoughts so that he can get your words. So don't let him use your own words against you. So Jordan, let's just do this and we can all do this together here. So Father, just repeat after me, in the name of Jesus, I just renounce and I cancel every word that I have spoken every thought that I have thought that is not in agreement with you and who you created me to be and the plans that you have for me or anything connected to me. And I, I just call those words null and void. And the enemy is now unable to use them. In Jesus' name.